This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Hello, America. I have to tell you a story today that is just fantastic. It's about the cat lady. You know the cat lady? The lady who had the surgery for her husband because her husband loved cats. And so she had so many surgeries. And then she she sued her husband um, and won $2 billion in her divorce settlement. And he's certainly paid that off, right? Oh, yeah. No, he did. He, he, did, he, he had he $2 gave her, to pay? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. So he gave her wow. $2 billion. Guess where the cat lady lives? Come on. Come on. Come on. Guess. I, come on. This isn't that hard. Uh, Dubuque, Iowa. Trump Tower. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. you imagine how crazy Trump Tower is right now if you're just a neighbor living 24. there? Oh, my gosh. We were talking about that earlier. 24-7. 24-7. It's crazy. So the cat lady, the police were called to Trump Tower. Because the cat lady was trapped by her boyfriend in a closet because she was trying to scratch him with her cat-like fingernails. This is one of the greatest stories of all. The I can't imagine living in Trump Tower right now on the craziness that is going on uh, with just the media and everything else. We'll get into that. Also... My wife informed me early this morning, about 6 a.m., we're going Christmas shopping today. I reminded her that there's this new thing called the Information Superhighway. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yes, it's called the Internet. Christmas on your list. We begin there right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I, uh, I will tell you. I've read about this new company. Uh, it's down by uh, it's it's down in South America. It's um, oh, they named it after the river, and I think they have expanded to deliver things within like twelve hours, uh, like pythons and witch doctor, you know, cures and things like that. What here in it? the Metroplex, the DFW Metroplex. Yes, yeah. Is it the Nile? Is that, is it what it is? Oh no, that's easy. Oh, it's down at the big one down in. Uh, it's Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Amazon yes, right. River. And I don't know if they sell piranhas or what they sell, but I hear that they can deliver anything to your house. And in fact, in the in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, I yes. believe they will deliver it. 
within an hour. I mean, same day. Yeah. I believe they now have a service where they deliver it. Amazon Prime Now? Is that what you'd be referring to? <laughs> I'm not sure what it's called. I, 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 I don't have a reason to buy grass skirts. Or, I mean, the fish oh. is so fresh from the <laughs> right. river when they right. deliver it to your house, it's still flopping. Well, you, and you wow. can joke about that, but Amazon Fresh, of course, will, desert, will deliver you fresh fish. Uh, Thank uh, you. We are subscribers to that as well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Amazon Fresh? Amazon Fresh. Brand Amazon new. Fresh. We just signed up uh, this past month, and it's, you, can, uh, you can do your grocery shopping. So perhaps. what is, honestly, what if towns, I, I, I say this because I remember my dad had his bakery downtown Mount Vernon. This great little town. I remember when Sears was on the corner and J.C. Penney's and... And, uh, and the Woolworths. Yeah, and the Woolworths and... Oh, my gosh. I'm sounding like my grandfather. And the Santa would come on the, on the fire truck every year. And then the mall came in. And, oh, no, the fire truck wasn't good enough for Santa. Now he had to come on a helicopter. Arr. And so, uh, but I remember it, what it was like before. We're going through the next massive change that is going to gut our shops, our malls, our malls oh. are going to be put out of business. I think that's already happened. Yeah, that's yep. already happened. Yeah, it is. So that's, the process has already started. So. Oh, yeah. Why would you go? I honestly, I said I to know. my wife, I said, honey, why don't we stay at home and uh, just look online? She said, because I want to go and look what's available. And I'm like, I know. And there's a thing on computers now called a Green, <laughs> but I mean, there's a there's a level. Of, you don't do much. I don't do much browsing on the internet. Do you? I mean, like I don't go on and be like, let me look want. through a, the, a few thousand items to see which one I like. Like I go because I know I want to purchase a particular thing. I could go online and say best Christmas gifts. You know, for the uh, you know, best, I could go online and I bet I could find best Christmas gifts for Air Force officers, best Christmas gifts for strippers, best Christmas gifts for whoever. If you need to know. And it will come up with a list. I know, Jeffy, you the one who made that list. <laughs> no, you could. I mean, they all end with Jeffy. <laughs> you know, obviously, you could go and, you know, have someone else write a list of presents that you could potentially buy and then buy them. But, I mean, I think the idea of going and looking around and seeing what's available. Well, if you have the general idea of the product. I have to fight crowds. I have to, I have to fight crowds. I have to look for a parking space. I have to. The parking spaces are a lot easier these days. Right. The whole parking, people, fighting right. for a parking space thing is not the problem. If you, know, if you know the product, I mean, like Overstock, you, you go there like? and you get the product. Remember what it used to be like? It, I mean, oh, it was hell. It was hell. Well, even when we, you know, back, you know, 10 years ago, I remember going to a mall that was uh, located where our studios were, near where our studios were in Philadelphia. And, I mean, it was so cold. It was, oh, yeah. and you'd walk for 20 minutes from your parking spot, if you could find one at all. Yeah. And this is one of the biggest malls in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest malls in America, I thought. Second biggest. King of Prussia, yeah, second yeah. biggest. Next yeah. to, and you could get lost in that. It's huge. Yeah. So, and, but now, because I, uh, I went to the mall on Black Friday. Did I tell you this? Uh, we may have talked what, about it. What the hell? Right, exactly. With you? Exactly. It, it, you, it would be the most insane thing in the world. I remember when I grew up, my grandparent, my, my grandma and my aunt would go out at like 5 a.m. It was the on day. Black Friday. It was their day because we'd always go to their house for Thanksgiving. The next day, they'd go out in the morning. They'd be gone all day doing, you know, buying yep. presents and the craziness and standing mm-hmm. in lines outside the stores before they opened, all that stuff. They did it. And it was like their like bonding experience. 
you know, and, and so I was, I'm never going to Black Friday, you know, uh, you always, or is that, you always go Christmas Eve to 23rd. It was always the 23rd yeah, for me right. to do my Christmas shopping. However, uh, you know, since I have kids, uh, the, the mall now is like an entertainment complex for them. Because every other corner has, you know, some cool Santa display or some uh, magic show or something. And that's so we were like, oh, let's bring them there uh, for that stuff. On Black Friday. On Black Friday. You are an abusive parent. I was thinking this is going to be the most horrific experience. You won't go to Haiti, but you will go to Black (laughs) Friday? (laughs) Wow. So I was uh, thinking it was going to be like that. It wasn't bad at all. It was, I mean, crowded, more crowded than a mall normally is, but it was nothing crazy. I didn't get run over by people. It was actually mildly enjoyable. The kids really had a great time. We got in, got had dinner, came out. It was great. Nice and easy, in and out. The mall has changed from uh, that. It's no longer. The yeah, they're not, I will tell you. I went to happy this, about that. I went oh, to they're this, not at all. They're, they're not. I went to the, what is the, one of the big malls here in Dallas. I always get Gloria. lost. No, I always get lost in it because it's like two squares. It's like two squares jammed together. And I just have, what is it? North Park. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I always get, I have no idea where I'm in this mall at any given time. You never know. Um, And uh, I went to it. I hadn't been there in a year and I went to it, I don't know, about six months ago. Like Ralph Lauren is gone. Like major stores have just closed up. You're like, wow, this is a, this is a high scale mall and there were lots of stores that were closed and just soaped windows. It, it is dying quickly. It's just, it's just hard to beat what Amazon is doing. Yeah. And they're just what, one example. But I mean, like... So I, now our yeah. towns have to... Our towns have to uh, have a chance to come back to life by setting themselves up as just a place of total unique spaces. <clears throat> we were up yes. in we were up in Toronto, and they took one of the old uh, like Canadian club distilleries, um, and they gutted it. This is a few years ago. They gutted it, but they left a lot of the, the, the you know the big stills and everything up um, in these big huge places, um, and they've made this whole square, but there isn't a Dan Taylor in the joint. It's all local stuff, all very unique all kind of hand-selected stuff, that's why you would go out. I would battle, you know, the weather and everything else to go to some place like that. When I can get a sweater or a pair of pants or, a, you know, something from a jewelry store or whatever, why go? I, I buy it online. In fact, I can price shop online. Mm-hmm. Why do that? Seriously. I mean, just a matter of if you if you enjoy it, right? I mean, my wife like all she wants yeah, to do is go shopping. So, but of course she she buys plenty from Amazon too. Believe me, I have the freaking alerts on my phone. Sometimes I think, oh God, is there another nine eleven happening? No, she's just ordered something. <laughs> uh, so why do you get the? You are oh man, you are because you're the financial guy in the house. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank God. Yes, I know. That's why we have a house. Right. And you <laughs> and you have made you've set you you have a contract. You have a purse contract. A literal Can you bring it in this year? I want to see it. Sure. A literal purse contract that when they got married, he said, "Okay, here's the deal. You can buy X number of purses per year." Mm-hmm. Um and so he's so is that why cuz my wife 
buys you know buy stuff i just come to no like idea because of of a year or two of no contract yeah well i mean look mm. just like uh you know mm. when wyeth got sued over uh, a massive uh, uh, over fenfen yeah. what they did is they made a, a massive fund to, ma- to 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 put a limit on their damages <laughs> right. so they knew i mean the fund was ridiculous and it almost destroyed the company but at least they knew what the maximum amount they'd be paying out was that's the idea of the purse contract you go in there you say uh, here's here's the fund for the year you could spend this on 12 different tiny purses or one big purse i don't care what it the heck you spend so it on weird because your wife is not she doesn't strike me as the person. She's not. She's absolutely not like, oh, I live in, I've got the latest purse. No. She's not like that no. at all. She does like her. I mean, she likes her things, uh, you know, and uh, she enjoys uh, her, uh, her. Have you told her that Christmas is not about things? Uh, I, I did try that at one point. Yeah, but I gave up, And then I signed her yeah. to a contract. Uh, but <laughs> uh, the issue is people say, hey, well, you know, like, what do you you're, you're going to spend all this money on purses? And yes, it's ridiculous. I, I, you know, it's about. About half my salary, give or take, goes to purses in a given year. Uh, but the good thing about it is in the contract is I don't have to hear about it. She can't talk to me about what purse she's going to buy. Is it okay she if I get She can't this? describe. Is she still, because was this before the purse contract? Because there were a time when you used to get emails from her. Right. Do you still get that? I get no links. Oh, that's nice. I ne- if I get sent a link, the contract is broken. Now, that's a constitutional crisis. So I don't do want to do. I can't imagine putting my foot down with my wife and saying, you are not going to buy. Right. Right. So what happens? She well, like, it. it's like when, you know, you, you I don't know. I mean, it, 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 in the U.S. government, it goes to a Supreme Court. It gets no. decided. I don't know. No, what in the U.S. government, it goes to a stern talking to from the U.N. That's what, and I think that's somebody, about what it is. Yeah. We all, fund. Everybody here knows happy wife, happy life. Exactly. And, yes. and that's the thing. It's 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 a something that it's a good thing for both of us. She gets the the, the, the bags that she wants. And I don't have to hear about the bags that she wants. I, I for the first time um, this year, just sent my wife links. Because I'm tired of hearing, I don't know what to buy. I didn't know what to get. And I'm actually to the place of like, that's nothing. we don't need anything. Just nothing. Just nothing. Let's just concentrate on the kids, blah, blah, blah. And then we both go out and we buy something for each other. Right, right. And we're like, I don't know. I didn't know what to get you. I just sent her links. You're going to buy something, buy those. Just buy those. And I'd, my birthday is in February, so one of these things you can get for my birthday, one of them you can get for our anniversary, and one of them you can get for Christmas. Surprise me. And that's where we are, too. I mean, I've been, that's been my situation for a long time from her. I mean, I, never, I, I don't do that. I don't send links to my wife, but I get them from my wife right. uh, all, all the time. Uh, and it does, it does make it easy. It does suck a bit of the magic out of the season, <laughs> I would say. Uh, you know, I, I am talented you're, you're, at but clicking at on a link point. and buying it. I'm good at it. But you're at the point now to where, I mean, I have purchased so much jewelry and so many clothes for my wife that are in her closet, still with the tags on. Mm. And so you're just I'm a good, good, I mean, I've gone, I've gone to some really good stores and my wife has been trying stuff out. And the salesperson has come to me and said, are you... Are you her designer? What? What? And I'm like, right. no, I'm her husband. You're a husband? 
because she will walk around and she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, here, no, no, no look right. at this, this and this together. Oh my gosh, this is going to look good on you. And so like, I'm, I'm like bringing her stuff. She just goes into the deal and I'm bringing her stuff. She's not a browser at all. And then she also ends up in jeans and a t-shirt all the time. She's wearing jeans and a t-shirt. And so she, and she's always like, well, I don't know what to wear. And I go through, I go into her closet and I'm like, well, still a tag on that one. <laughs> 10 years ago, there's a great outfit for you. You can try. And she won't return them because she's like, no, I really like it. Uh-huh. Uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sure you do so she's like you know you could always buy me jewelry i just i just open up her drawer oh you mean like all of this that you never wear you should just take stuff out of that drawer and repackage it it. back to her (laughs) it's not a bad idea if she is not listening right now (laughs) when i get home if she doesn't say i heard you what you said if she doesn't say that oh she's getting the Christmas of her dream. <laughs> Just like tape two of them together so it looks like one big thing. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about Sherry's Berries. Um, you finally, what? Just want to look and see where they're at. You don't have to navigate your, uh, your way through a crowded store. You don't have to find a place to park. It is called the Internet. And Sherry's Berries is the perfect Christmas gift. I guarantee you. If you get Sherry's berries and you deliver them Christmas Eve and you put them underneath the tree, it will be her favorite and she will eat all of them before um, everybody else is, has finished uh, unwrapping everything. They are delicious. They are great gifts for friends, for family, for business uh, people. And I, I can't stress enough we have all, and please verify this, we have all had those edible gifts, the packages that come in that are, you know, the bouquet. They're awful. Those, I think those are awful. The, the fruit is always underripe, and it's the worst fruit. Keep talking all you want. Where are the berries? That's what I was looking Where for. Where are the berries? Sherry's berries. Um, Sherry's berries. Right now, you can get freshly dipped strawberries uh, that start at nineteen ninety nine. That's over a thirty percent savings. You can double the berries for ten dollars more. They are really good. And by the way, go to their website. You'll see that they have much more than berries. And I have honestly never had anything from Sherry's berries that has been bad. Go to berries b e r and look at me. Do I look like I? No food or not. <laughs> um, go to berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. Berries dot com. Click on the microphone, right-hand corner. Type in my name, Glenn. Sherry's Berries. Do it today for the 30% savings and double the berries for $10 more. Berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. Code name, Glenn. The Glenn Beck Program. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. Let me go to Glenn in Ohio. Speaking of Ohio and Glenn, John Glenn passed away um, yesterday, which is uh, sad. Lost a legend, uh, just a legend who did so much. An era has passed. Uh, Glenn, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Good morning. Um, the uh, internet shopping is not a new idea. <laughs> okay. We've had catalogs for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Sears mm-hmm. Roebuck, Montgomery, mm-hmm. Montgomery Ward, J.C. Yeah. Penney's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember those? And they were as big as a phone book. I mean, yeah. a big city what? phone book. Mm-hmm. I know. What? Phone book? Um, and I remember as a kid getting the Sears catalog and spending weeks looking through them, seeing the toys in the, in the Sears catalog. It was, it's not like FAO Schwartz, which, by the way, doesn't exist anymore. Um, do you know that New York doesn't have a toy store anymore? In Manhattan? Manhattan there yeah. is no toy store in Manhattan anymore. I, if I FAO Schwartz, FAO Schwartz went out of business, I'd forgotten it. When did that happen? Uh, that was a while ago. Well, yeah, a while ago. shut down the years Toys R Us there on the corner across right. from... Uh, Times Square. Yeah. Wow. One with the Ferris wheel yeah. in it. Wow. There's no toy store in Manhattan anymore. That was a anymore. cool store, too. That's remarkable. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to make a remake of Big now? You can't. Well, the- you can't. Oh. Well, thank you so much. Oh, quickly, quick, 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 quick. Too oh, late. Oh, 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 all right. Man. Sorry. It's good effort, though. Back in a, yep. Back in a minute. to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Go to Heath in uh, Virginia. Hello, Heath. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, uh, Pat, Stu, Jeffy. Merry Christmas to you guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hey, Glenn, I don't want to shift gears too much. I know you guys love talking about ladies' handbags and dresses and uh, <laughs> being, being mistaken, being mistaken as a uh, uh, gay designer, but that's okay. Uh, right. I, I that's true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to I wanted to share a quick anecdote with you guys, a, a funny Christmas story. I, we took our uh, sons to see Santa the other night at the mall, and my eight year old is just eaten up with the concept of Santa. And how this ties into you, I'll get to that point quickly. Um, my son gets up on Santa's lap. Santa's asking him what he wants for Christmas, uh, the, the normal banter, and my son's going on about, "Hey, you look really great for your age." and <laughs> How many Macy's parades have you done? And I mean, you look really fantastic for as old as I know that you are. Santa's just looking at me, smiling, and he says, "Finally, he leans into his ear and he says, I know your real name's Audios.' Oh my and, gosh!" And Santa glances at me like, "Is your son high? Is there something wrong with him?" <laughs> and, and I look back and I say, "Just go with it." And so he <laughs> he kindly talks to him. As we're walking off, uh, 
Lance, like, man, I, I'm glad I got that off my shoulders. And he's like, Dad, you know, we should have got him some frankincense and brought it to him. But, you know, I know that that probably would have brought back some bad memories. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so, awesome. Oh, how great. What a great story. In oh. case you don't know what he's talking about, this is the book that I wrote for my children and released, I think, last year or the year before called The Immortal Nicholas. Um, and I wrote it because I couldn't get my kids to pay attention to Jesus. They were just paying attention to Santa, and they were buying into the Rudolph and the North Pole toy shop and everything else, and I needed a way. I didn't want to be the anti-Santa dad, so I needed a way to bring the story of Santa in uh, and and yet not uh, affect the story of the birth and death of Christ. And um, and I'm so glad that you read it to him, and it it worked. <laughs> How old is your son? He's eight years old. Wow! And actually, that his That's question, great. and and I'm I'm actually sad that I got through to you this morning while he's at school and he didn't have a chance to talk to you. He wanted to know, and he's gone on and on about it since last year. He's asked me numerous times, wow. Dad, Dad, how did Glenn Beck get the true story behind Santa? He's, I mean, he will not leave me alone about it. He wants to know how God told you to come to you in a dream. Were you, you know, were you out in the wilderness? Where were you that God shared the story with you about Agios and how? So if you could, well, it was okay. So you can tell him that it was. You can tell him that it wasn't God. It was, it was Santa that told me. And you have to be of a certain weight and body shape to be able to have Santa trust you. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so I kind of resemble Santa in my body shape. Uh, sure. But uh, you, could just, you could just tell him that it was uh, Agios that uh, uh, told me because he may know there's, a, there's an episode of The Vault uh, that is uh, coming up where... Um, I share some things that my children have uh, received from uh, Santa. Um, my, um, my second oldest daughter, when she was very young, um, got a sleigh bell from Santa. She was just at the edge of unbelieving, and uh, she wanted the only Christmas present she wanted was a sleigh bell. She didn't tell anybody about it. And um, it wasn't there under the tree, and thank goodness... The next day, we had figured out that he may have dropped it off out of his pocket, and it rolled down the roof, and it was right there by the chimney at the bottom, and uh, she she found that. And two years ago, my youngest child, uh, Cheyenne, was um, uh, at the age of unbelieving, and Santa left her this unbelievable handmade... Um, glove, leather glove that has the rain marks on it and everything else that is Mark Santa and he left her this glove and it was I mean it was pretty remarkable I mean you would, I mean to you, you can't buy something like that in a store and you would need like you know, your own personal I don't know fashion company or something to be able to make something like that and hmm. so um uh, but you can tell her that nobody uh, has that. You, you can tell him nobody has that. You can tell him that uh, Santa has been very kind to us, and we don't know why. Okay, we'll do that. He has been the same to us. So I just want to call and thank you, 
to contributing to the magic of Christmas and keeping that spirit alive for, for kids and adults alike. Man, he, I, I, can't, I can't tell you. This is, I, I, don't, I don't recall uh, very many calls on the immortal Nicholas um, and, uh, like this where people have shared with me reading it with their uh, children. And I'm so glad that, uh, I'm so glad that you uh, had that experience. Thank you. That means the world to me. You yeah. bet. You bet. You know, it's, um, it's so weird because I can't judge things like this. You know, like my kids, we read the Christmas sweater every year. Um, and uh, maybe we'll start reading uh, The Immortal Nicholas this year. Um, but I can't judge it because my kids know I wrote it. And with The Immortal Nicholas... I told them, I wrote this on a, on a trip to um, Disney. It took me to formulate the story. I don't write stories down. I just keep telling the stories, you know, out loud, and I'll tell it to people. I think I, poor Pat, I think, went through like 400 revisions of The Immortal. And I just say, so let me tell you a story. And then I just, I kind of work on it that way. And my poor kids went through the story of The Immortal Nicholas um, a hundred, a hundred times. And so they know that I wrote it. Um, and so they don't have that same magic that, that I get when I have a finished book and read it to them. And, um, so it's nice to hear. It's nice to hear. Okay. What are the, um, um, what are the movies opening up this weekend? I can't believe, I didn't know that Tom Ford made movies. Tom Ford is a fashion designer. Okay. And I saw him on um, Jimmy Kimmel last night. And uh, I'm like, I can't imagine going to a movie, you know, directed by Ralph Lauren. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it would look good, but. Nocturnal Animals? Yeah. Oh, he made, really? Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, It looks really good. Uh, is that Amy Adams? In Amy that? Adams, yeah. yeah. Can somebody look? Huh. He's made other movies, hasn't he? I he, do, do you know what movies? Totally unfamiliar no. with Tom Ford. I, I, don't, I don't. Tom Ford is a very high-end fashion designer, and he makes cologne and, and everything else. Um, and he's super. I've never seen an interview with him. And um, I saw him on Jimmy Kimmel last night, and he is super, super buttoned up. So he's got uh, a single man, which I've never heard of, um, The Great New Wonderful. Uh, nocturnal of. animals, Zoolander. Wow! I didn't know he made Zoolander. Oh, that's wait, that's his credit himself. So I guess oh, he's, he's just now, in yeah, that. Right. Okay, he just said that. Yeah, producer, screenwriter, director, nocturnal animals, and a single man. Producer, writer, director. Wow, that guy is busy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he said last night on Jimmy or... Kimmel that um, he is. Uh, he said, "I, I, people will call me." He said that don't really know me and like, hey, you want to hang out? And he's like, I don't know what that means. I, I don't hang out. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, everything in my life is scheduled. And, you know, so I guess I would have to write what? Nine to 11. Hang out. <laughs> he said, I don't know what that I would do in that period. So he's really hyper buttoned up. Yeah, the premise of the movie, I mean, it looks interesting. It looks very dark. 
yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. it's about uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Amy Adams are together at one point. Uh, she does something mysterious to him um, oh boy. that uh, that is not disclosed in the trailer, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they separate, and she feels very badly about it. Mm-hmm. And at some point, he tries to make amends or like forgive her, I guess, and come back into her life. And apparently, it doesn't, doesn't seem go like well. it go, goes that well. Oh, it uh, and that's yeah. about. Uh, what they yeah. show you in the trailer, but it looks pretty good and really, but really dark. Like it does, it looks pretty intense. <laughs> the other uh, thing that opens is Office Christmas Party. I'm excited for that. I, I definitely see that. that this I haven't week. seen that. Uh, Miss Sloan, which is an anti-gun movie, it looks. Yes. Like. Oh, surprising! The critics love yeah. Miss Sloan. Yeah. What is what a stunner. Yeah. And uh, the biggest movie of the year that we haven't even talked about yet, of course, the new Steven Seagal Contract to Kill opens. <laughs> Oh, that's this. That's this so weekend. This weekend. Yes. Finally. How often? It's well, amazing about what it. you can. It's amazing it. what you can do with a walker. <laughs> the guy's sixty-four years old. And he doesn't look it. He doesn't. Look he like does it. not. He really look doesn't. It. He's only sixty-four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So contract, but he lives or lived for a while in Russia, right? Oh, yeah. He's a big Putin he's, fan. He's got dual citizen. American, oh my Russian, and Serbian citizen. I talked to the woman. Um, from Yahoo, that oh yeah, the Russian um, immigrant, yeah, the Russian immigrant that, that shut down Dana Roebrocker. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it was. Quite yeah, you had an interview with her yesterday. That did that go well? Yeah, went really well. I was really um, glad after watching the interview that I couldn't see what's called the return. I couldn't see her mm-hmm. because she is burn your eyes out beautiful. Yeah, she's she is like once you see her, you never unsee her. <laughs> she is beautiful. I've never heard of her. Really, really smart, um, and she does. I guess Yahoo News, which I've also never watched, um, but uh, um, uh, they've wanted to talk to me for a while, and it's been Katie Couric that wants to do an interview with me, and I'm like, mm, no, not interested. <laughs> so she does the business news. And we talked a little bit about business news yesterday. And um, I would love to, I don't know if she does interviews, but I would love to interview her because of her childhood moving over from the former Soviet Union here to America. And Dana Rohrbacher said, you know, well, we know your bias now. What? Wow. Would you say that to a Cuban immigrant? Well, we know your bias now. Only Michael Moore would say that. Yeah. Let me go to let me go to Matt in in Ohio. Hello, Matt. You're on the Glenbeck program. Hey, Glenn. Thanks so much. It's great to talk with you. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to uh, mention I I saw the piece from Nightline. Uh, I recorded it last night. Watched it this morning. Oh, thank you. And I thought it was a tremendous piece. I don't. It's it's hard to think of how it could have gone better, but I don't. Very true. I I have never seen a piece on me go that well. Not in the mainstream media. Yeah, like that. Uh, I mean, I I was they still hit, they still came after you and asked oh, they you still, tough questions. They didn't give you an easy time, but no, I mean, no, they no, were no, fair. No. Though they were very fair. But, um, well, being fair seems like an easy time. Yeah, because does. nobody is. Nobody is. But the Nightline was was great. He was, was great. Yeah. Myron is 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 fair. Great. Anyway, thanks, Matt. Go ahead. Sure, yeah, but uh, specifically there was uh, one moment that I thought really, regardless if people knew you or not, if they if they watched it, that it said everything that they need to know about Glenn Beck, and it was you were gathered with your family kind of all together, and the interviewer was talking to you, and just watching how your son uh, would just look at you and relate with you, and I, I would see him kind of you know bend his head uh, against your chest and 
And and I just thought, uh, and I I love watching fathers and sons and how they relate to each other. And without saying a word to me, that was everything anyone could have known about you, um, with without a word being spoken. And I was so glad that got captured uh, in the piece last night. Matt, I I thank you for your call and noticing that too. I I didn't even notice that when it happened, and when I watched it on Nightline last night, I uh, I saw that, and it it almost brought me to tears. Um, my son and I last night we were working. He's on a school play, and he's got the lead role in a school play, and we've been working. He and my daughter have been working on the play together, and trying to memorize um, the lines, and. I am so fortunate. I have spent so much time in my life afraid of having a son um, because of the relationship I had with my dad. And it truly is one of the greatest things of my life. My children, um, and this is the biggest change in me. People think I've changed. No, I've really changed in one regard. I'm a good dad. And I've really worked hard, especially in the last five years. And um, I, they've given me, they've given me the greatest gift um, you can receive, and I can die a happy man um, because my family has ended the cycle um, that has happened in my family for generations, and it is a tremendous blessing. Thanks for calling. And now this. Last week, there was a tragic incident in Ohio State University. It was a butcher knife. Immediately, those on the left were calling for a ban on guns. Nobody's now calling for a ban on knives, but ban on guns. The Second Amendment is under attack. We all know that. Bond Arms is doing something about it. Bond Arms, this great gun company here out of Texas, they're making the new PT2A. I want you to go to bondbeck.com and see this. This makes a fantastic Christmas gift for a gun lover the PT2A. Go to bondbeck.com right now. Portion of everything sold goes to protecting the Second Amendment rights. Bondbeck.com. Bondbeck.com. Do it now for Christmas. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. is the Glenn Beck Program. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap? Let me go to uh, Gary in Virginia. Hello, Gary. You're on the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, Glenn. How you doing, buddy? Merry I'm very good. Merry Christmas to you. Hey, we just got the Blaze TV on my cable provider. I don't have cable, I have fiber optic television. Yeah. But I wanted, it's been fantastic. Uh, uh, I've been on them for ever since you started, and uh, they finally came through in HD. Awesome. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, and I'm glad you're enjoying it. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. It is the holiday season. The spirit is here. And we begin with our joy <laughs> right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Everybody is talking about fake news, but I don't think anybody is really um, understanding where fake news is coming from. Uh, NPR used your tax dollars to go find a guy who is responsible for a lot of the fake news. Then they found out that he was a liberal and they didn't seem to have really the same kind of problem with him. It's an amazing story. It is an amazing story. Is that the one... Where he claims that, oh, I try to do these to liberals, but they don't, they don't take believe- the bait. Yes. Shut up. Yes. Of course, not true. They, Shut up. They just did a, a poll, a, a study of this. I think it was BuzzFeed who did it. And they found that both liberals and conservatives fall for fake news something in the level of 75% of the time. Wow. Well, and you're going and I'm to. talking about not- you don't do any research, you're going to. Well, right, this is right. the guy. This is the guy who started it. Um, he's the guy who owns, I think, abcnews.co, um, uh, you know, usatoday.com.co. He, he's the guy who owns all of these. So if you're not paying attention, it looks like. Well, it looks exactly. It looks exactly ABC like News. it. Yeah. Right. It looks, it looks like it. And he is putting out all these false stories. And because NPR, I mean, I, I've never seen such a softball before. Because the guy was like, I know I'm doing this to the right, to expose the right. All of a sudden, their only tough question was, do you feel kind of bad about this at all? No, because I'm exposing it to the... Okay. And they're saying, do you feel bad because maybe you got Donald Trump elected? Maybe you were the reason. And of course, he says he was the reason. The thing I love about it, though, is here's a guy who's known outwardly saying to the audience, I fake what I put online. I fake news. I say things that aren't true for a living. By the way, believe me that liberals won't play along with the fake news and only conservatives are dumb enough to do it. Believe that. Just run with it. And 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 NPR does. And they do. Of course they do. do. Listen to this. This is pathetic. During the run-up to the election, fake news really took off. It was just anybody with a blog can get on there and find a big huge Facebook group of kind of rabid Trump supporters just waiting to eat up this red meat that they're about to get served, cause an explosion in in the number of sites. Kohler says they've tried to write fake news for liberals, but they never take the bait. Uh Uh-huh. That's such bull crap. (laughs) Unbelievable. They they suck up the bait at the same rate as... We're humans. Come on. We're humans. Multiple polls, and BuzzFeed's done a lot of this going back several months, and they found it to be very prevalent on both sides, and that both sides fall for it at about the same rates. Here's here's what the, uh, the right is falling for. Right now, the right is falling for the lie that... The alt-right is conservative. It's not. 
They're socialists. They believe in giant government and socialism. National socialists. If they're Nazis, they're national socialists. That's not the right. They are, uh, they are on the, the uber fringes of the left, if you want to look at it that way. They're socialists. Yeah. Goebbels said that between nationalists and socialists, which comes first? It's obvious, socialist. I mean, that was, that's not exactly... The reason why the Nazi flag is red is because they changed it so they could appeal to the communists. I mean, it's, just, it's, 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 it's insane. It's insane. When a, when a Trump advisor says, I'm Same a ideology. Leninist, I'm a Leninist, you've, you've, got a, you've got a problem. And the media is, is, of course, missing all of that. They're not small government guys. They're just not. Speaking of the media, uh, a caller about half an hour ago brought up your appearance on Nightline last night, which I thought was, I, I thought, you know, they said they were going to be fair. It, it it seemed while they were here as if they were going to be fair, but it's you true. never know with the finished product how they're going to edit it, what they're going to say for narration. It, it, they can always spin something t- ugly, but they didn't. And... Um, Here's uh, some of what happened on the on the show last night. So Glenn Beck, the man who's been called a clown, a bigot, a carnival barker, a smug know-it-all, now you want to be a, a healer? No. You're making this too grand. Hmm. You're saying you want to... No, 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 no. I am going to do it in my own life, and I am going to do it in my own business. I'm inviting you to make the commitment to do the same thing. To be able to know that when you're talking, the televisions are all on at the White House, that's intoxicating, okay? Fame is the most corrosive thing to a soul you can possibly ever introduce. It's awful. More than alcohol? Yeah. More than drugs? Yes. Because you know those well. I know them very well. Did you get the impression that Byron had any introspection there? I'm inviting you to do the same thing. And I know you yeah, I admit do. that in a personal way and in a general way. Byron said to me afterwards, this is Byron Pitts, by the way, who uh, I think is a really, he is a, he is a journalist cut from the old school cloth, I think. Um, he's There's a guy who has been embedded in Iraq and Afghanistan with the soldiers. Um, he is a deeply religious man. Um, and very fair. He said to me now, he's had, I mean, he's worked for 60 Minutes, um, Nightline. He is a multiple award-winning journalist, and I think one of them who deserved it. Um, And he came uh, and he said, I've only had one person, one in my entire career, say that I was unfair to them. One he worked for 60 minutes. Did he tell you who that was? No. Um, and, um, and he, he wow, afterwards, afterwards, he said, huh. um, you know, I always go into it um, studying and knowing and be, being up on my homework, knowing who, I, who everybody says this person is and who they say they want to be. Yeah, he researched all the names you'd been called. So. <laughs> no, he, he did his, he really did his he homework. He knew all of them. I mean, there were there were we were together for 13 hours. He really did his homework. Um, And he said um, at the very end, he said, 
you are one of only probably five people I've interviewed. You, I always go in hoping for the best, but I usually you know, find out this is a fraud. Um, he said, um, one of five people, maybe, that I have hoped for the best, and they were better than I hoped. Oh, nice. Yeah. He, nice. He, he, was, he was, and his crew, too, um, they came down and they weren't, you know, lovey-dovey, no softball. There were no rules. I don't do things with rules with anybody. I didn't do it with Samantha B. I don't do it with anybody. There are no uh, off topics um, unless they get into personal family, you know, safety thing, you know, with the kids. Um, and um, uh, so, and they have full access. And both Samantha B's people and Nightline's people said, we are always told you can have full access, but nobody ever does. And you guys, you're not breathing over our necks while we're talking to people in your, you leave us alone to wander your halls. And we're like, yeah, we trust our employees and we, we um, know that you're not going to uncover anything. That's why we have glass walls here. We're transparent on everything. And it, it for once, I've kissed a lot of frogs. For once. Yeah, because we've been told that a lot of times. We've been told, oh, this is not a gotcha thing at all. We're, it's going to be totally fair. We're not coming in with any agenda. And then virtually every time. Yeah, you see the agenda come out in the interview. And he but not only did not he here. not only did this present me the right way, he said at the beginning um, that uh, you might believe he's one thing, but that's not what we found. Uh, which I thought was an amazing statement for a news organization to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end, he said something along the lines of, you know, um, you know, we've we found him to be a a good man who's honestly trying or something like that. It was, it was nice. And I think it presents conservatives, uh, or he called me, I think he called me the, the, the most reasonable voice uh, around today or something like that. <laughs> that hasn't something been like said. That. Never, often. never been said. Wow. Never been said. Even by you, us, we're on the show with you. Yeah. I, I mean, usually they're talking about the conflict. Right. As, and, you, and by the way, any of the Trump stuff that we talked about, yeah. um, uh, it was not that I was bad-mouthing Trump. In fact, I said, uh, I've already said what I've said, and now he's president. And so we have to hope for the best. Now it's Breitbart who's taking all the shots at uh, to poor Donald. I mean, here we are defending Donald Trump, and Breitbart's the one going after him. I find it to be, I mean, what are what it's, what these people? They're traitors. Are they traitors? What are you talking about? I'm very concerned about the way they're attacking Donald Trump and his right. really solid uh, appointments. What are you talking about? They are coming after his appointment, uh, which looks like for a labor secretary, uh, who is the CEO of Hardee's and Carl's Jr., and, and, and saying how he's letting down uh, American workers because, you know, he's a guy who uh, ran a business, a, a big one, a successful one. Um, and realizes that uh, you know uh, maybe don't you can't jack up the minimum wage and uh, you can't uh, maybe you have to automate a lot of these jobs maybe you just need to be, you know you need to have some touch screens. Why do they hate Donald locations. Trump? Why do they? Why do, where did this irrational and, hatred for Donald Trump? And Trump is coming out here with with and I mean this honestly. He's hired someone I think who's a really good choice for that role. Uh, who has a really good understanding of conservative economics, is, is, at least as far as I understand him at this point. And then, you know, people like Breitbart who just can't get on the train 
uh, just bashing the guy. It re- it's hurtful. I mean, this guy, you know. Are they trying to derail America? Mm-hmm. Is that what they're doing? It must be. Are they derailing America? Wow. I mean, there are all sorts of criticism for these really good picks. I don't understand it. So I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they <laughs> said, Glenn, are you concerned about all the number of um, generals Donald Trump is putting around him? Yeah, this is on your Yahoo interview. Yeah, and I found it really interesting because I had never even thought of it that way. Um, and what basically, now this is somebody on the left, supposedly, in the mainstream media, who is conspiratorial minded. I mean, right? I mean, well, if you're, I, you know, because there, there is this, there law. is a law. I mean, this is the, if you don't know the background of the story. But, but wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. If Barack Obama would have done it with the same law and everything say a thing else, about it, they would not nobody would have said a thing about it. And if I would have said, look, I'm concerned yes, that he's got a bunch of military people around him and he has this kind of dictatorial kind of way about him, they would have immediately called me a conspiracy theory, yep. a theorist. They would have immediately said, Glenn Beck is worried that he's going to use and take over the military with all... Well, that's the question they asked me. And I said, wow, I haven't even thought of it that way. You know, no, my concern is X, Y, and Z with uh, uh, too many military men. Too many military men, it is shown in studies, the most progressive, that they don't necessarily start out this way, but the most progressive big government public servants in Congress and in the Senate have tended to be those people who spent their whole career in the military. You brought up John McCain as the uh, right. as a good example. Because they are used to the government. They're not the guys who say the private sector can do this better. They're the guys who are used to taking orders, used to the government being in charge of everything, so they don't see it the same way. It's obviously not universally true. <clears throat> but right, it's- and it's not. And I'm not saying that these guys... That he's picked, or that, or yeah. that, like that. And I think, I think, you know, you, you look at his picks, and you know, Mattis, I think, is a really good pick. Uh, Flynn is a really bad pick. I, mean, I think there's a, there's a there's a mixture uh, there, it's which I think pick. makes now me a traitor for criticizing Flynn. If I'm if understanding. By the way, I should point. By the way, I do have a problem. The only place I have had a problem with a military pick is, um, well, I mean, besides Flynn, but that's not because he was in the military. I, I don't think he is. I don't think he's got his head screwed on quite yeah, right. Not, not, and again, like I just. I mean, in general speaking, at least we used to think that probably it's not a good idea for Republicans to appoint Democrats to big roles. I mean, that's just not something that I typically want out of my Republican presidents. And Flynn is a Democrat. He's a registered Democrat. It never goes well. It never goes well. When when a Republican appoints somebody to the the bench in the Supreme Court, it never goes well. Here's the one that really bothers me. We've appointed a former general to DHS. I don't want DHS run by a military guy. Well, that was the reason, I mean, it was this long before DHS, but the reason for the law was you don't want guys who have all sorts of really tight connections with current military members mm-hmm. running the military. You want civilian control of the military. You're worried about a military coup. Unlike, yes. Right. You're yes. trying to, that's what you're trying to avoid. Now, look, right. I, no, no one thinks that that's going to happen, but you put those laws in to, you know, to make sure that everyone's very careful and those lines are bright. Um, and so I, I don't think the Democrats will stop. Uh, someone like Mattis, uh, I think they respect him highly, and I think they'll make a waiver for him. They're trying to push through a waiver for all of these guys, and I don't know if they'll get all of them. Um, but they're, they're talking as many as five generals. I hope they get Mattis. Again, all of them would need a waiver. Mattis is great. Mattis is great. Um, you know, uh, you know the, uh, Kelly, a lot of people like Kelly a lot. 
Um, so I, I but, uh, you know, Ben Petraeus is obviously contra- controversial, um, but, uh, you know, he's done a lot of great things for the country. There are a reason why we have certain longstanding rules. And I don't like the fact that we're making exceptions, lots of exceptions. You want to make one exception? This is the most unique guy. He is the perfect guy. Sure. Let's not make five, six, seven exceptions on that. When there's a reason why the president is supposed to divest himself of all of his investments or blind trust all of them. Mm-hmm. And that's just a that's just a tradition. That's just a tradition. No, that, it, but it also law. comes. But the it, law is with, with the generals. There's an actual law on the books that they have to get a waiver. For. But I will tell you this: the law should be that because look at what what happened with uh, Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson entered the office poor because of his decisions, left the office wildly rich, and now this: if you're a business owner. You know how important it is to find the right person to hire, but it can take a lot of time. You have a business to run. You can save time and find the best candidates at ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter makes hiring fast and easy. With one click, you post your job to more than 200 top job sites. ZipRecruiter identifies the top candidates and notifies them to apply for your job all within minutes. ZipRecruiter, they're easy-to-use dashboard screens and evaluates candidates all in one place. We use ZipRecruiter because it makes hiring fast and it is really easy to use. We're one of the million businesses uh, that have joined ZipRecruiter's um, award-winning service for help for our hiring. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Use it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. We're just uh, we're just talking about, you know, Stu has been, you know, kind of mocking Breitbart, but um, we're just talking off the air. And I think we need to have this conversation on the air. He's joking about it, but we both think that this is a really good thing, that Breitbart is going against Donald Trump. They are standing for what not what I believe. But they are standing up for what they believe. Yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. I, I'm mocking. Finally, right? Exactly. I mean, I, I'm mocking them for uh, because of the way they treated everyone to else. The world. Every time anyone disagreed with Trump, they were a traitor or whatever. You supported yeah. Hillary Clinton. They photoshopped a picture of you with Hillary Clinton's logo to make it look like you were actually endorsing her. I mean, it was you know they did all sorts of despicable things. However, if you're a Breitbart reader and you like Donald Trump, um, isn't this what you want out of Breitbart right now? Donald Trump campaign the entire time I'm going to defend uh, American workers and make sure what all against all the free market principles that we talked about because he was going to defend the American workers. Then when he has a chance to appoint someone. He appoints someone for secretary of labor. It looks like who is a free market a guy, free market guy that wants to automate jobs in the United States. And you know what? If obviously like it's weird that Breitbart is standing up when Trump does conservative things against him. I mean, because that's not who I thought that brand was. But it obviously is a nationalist thing now more than anything else. And for their readers, that's actually a real positive. You should be doing that. That's what I would want out of them if I was a Breitbart reader. And it is what we believe our readers, our viewers, our listeners, one of us, 
is to actually stand for free market principles. Right. They're standing for their nationalist principles. Right. Uh, and their, you know, uh, you know, what used to be democratic labor union principles uh, that they really think are important. And you know what? If Trump violates those, they should stand up. Just like if they violate free market principles, we should stand up. And Breitbart let deserves the, credit for taking them on. And let the American people decide. And we all accept what the American people decide. Because you'll eventually get it right. If you get it wrong, you'll eventually figure it out. That's what Americans do. Back to- the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Uh, Brock, hey, welcome to the program. Glad you are here. Um, you uh, know, we were talking about uh, the Nightline interview a few minutes ago, and, and I wanted to play uh, some more cuts from that. But I just found this tweet from uh, Byron Pitts last night. Byron Pitts is is the um, uh, anchor, anchor. of uh, Nightline. Yeah. Can you believe it's been 10 years already, or 11 years, since Ted Koppel left? I mean, that's, that's amazing. But Byron uh, uh, retweeted this about you last night. Tonight at Nightline, the polarizing Glenn Beck. As smart and decent a man as I've ever met, there is more to him. Hmm. Wow. Do you know what his life is like today? I know. He just probably brought down a firestorm on himself. That's that's amazing. What was the response, Jeffy? Uh, one response was, uh, you should meet more people. <laughs> <laughs> and it, but he responds to that in such a great way. He said, that's awesome. Maybe so. Thanks for weighing in. Wow. Why did your microphone turn off there? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I've, 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 um, I've notified New York. That, oh, yeah, continue. Oh, to I want to phase right. him out. He didn't <laughs> notice. I just want to phase him out. 50% I mean, of your mic was fine. That's what I meant to yeah, say. His microphone will be on 50% of the time. Uh, but I, I found this clip uh, somewhat interesting as well on the, on the show last night. They don't like conflict, believe it or not. Say what? Yeah, I know. I know. You made your living no, on conflict. No, I didn't. No, I haven't. I've, I've made about four years of my life out of conflict and, and i would i would interject not even that i mean it, we didn't we didn't make a living out of conflict no we made a living out of speak our speaking our minds and some of it pissed people off yes That's i am trying to well uh, okay hang on just a second. well okay hang on just a second you are trying to be different you're trying I'm to trying to understand yes and i am trying to understand and this is what i had uh, i spoke to samantha b about um, and we'll continue to speak uh, about with her if she is who I hope she is, if she is honest. Um, and she has struck me as that. Let me give you a, a point on this one before I go on. Samantha B found the same people that NPR. Play that NPR piece again. This is, you know, the media. Hillary Clinton is all up in arms about fake news, right? Mm-hmm. NPR, your tax dollars 
PBS found one of the main guys on fake news and has forgiven him because he's only doing this to get the left. So they did this puff piece on him on NPR. During the run-up to the election, fake news really took off. It was just anybody with a blog can get on there and find a big, huge Facebook group of kind of rabid Trump supporters just waiting to eat up this red meat that they're about to get served. Cause an explosion in, in the number of sites. Kohler says they've tried to write fake news for liberals, but they never take the bait. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, it's not even true. Look, Joe, it's not true. It's not even true. These, these, he has just passed fake news to NPR. Mm-hmm. And, fa- and NPR yeah, has just it. passed the fake news to the audience. They and so, want it to be true. Right. And now NPR, uh, people will quote NPR that say that liberals don't believe fake news. It's a human condition. It's not a conservative condition. And give me the actual study stats. I don't have it in front of me, but it was BuzzFeed just released that I can pull it up. It was something like 75% of people, and it was both uh, sides. Both sides. Both sides. Uh, believe fake news. Okay. Equal numbers. Right. right. It's not a, it's a human condition. Mm-hmm. So Samantha B, she had, she brought that guy on and did an interview with him um, on her show. She filleted him, I'm told, took oh. him apart and gave him no quarter. Good. Good. Right? Good. Yeah. That's the way we have to be. Yeah. And if you're willing to, but I am telling you, it's going to take a, it's going to take people willing to say, I want to hear, I want to hear a from the other side. I want to listen to them. And then I also want to hear how they perceive what I have said, because perception is, is reality. And then let me share how you're being perceived by my tribe. And if everybody wants to listen and learn from that, that's great. It's just, it seems like a one-sided affair right now. But, right. Only one side but here's, listening to the other okay, saying, wait, wait, wait. Hey, maybe we should but do this here's differently. The, here's the difference. Here's, what's, here's where, why we have an opportunity that we've never had before, okay? <clears throat> First of all, would you all agree that what everybody is doing, just calling each other names, is not working and not making us better? Of course. Yeah. Okay? We'd all agree that doing the same thing that they did to us now that we've won is going to make things, they're going to make them hate us. It's counterproductive. Right. Okay. So we all agree on that. If somebody has a better idea, I am open. Okay. But we have to talk to one another. Now, here's the opportunity that we have that we've never had before. Right now, we can empathize because of the last eight years we all felt exactly the way they did. And I contend not in 08 as much as is 12. Oh, I did. I felt it in 08 no, and no, 12. No, 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 <laughs> no. You felt one half. You felt one half. You felt, wow, how did this guy go get in? Um, well, it's because of the media. They didn't highlight all these things. Then we spent four years activating people and saying, wake up, people, wake up, look what you're in bed with, right? Yes, yes. And in 12, it was worse because you were like, oh my gosh, this is who the American people just might be, right? Yes, that is true. This, that's what they feel like. They feel that they're having our 12 experience. Yes, and the hard part about that is 
the right doesn't care. It's like, so what? Now you get to experience good. it. Right, and that's the wrong that's, way to go. That's the wrong way to go. Wrong way to go. Continues to tear the country apart. But what I take issue with is us being blamed for creating this massive division as if on purpose, as if we made a living specifically setting out to divide the country. It's not the case. That's not what we did. We set out to inform, but at the same time entertain. And when that happened, yes, sometimes it it turned out to be divisive. That's why it is important for me to be with Samantha B. Because right now, people watch Samantha B. on our side. And this is why I said to her when we did an interview, I stopped it halfway through and I said, this is not, this is not working. And she said, yes, it is. It's great. And I said, no, it's great for you. And it's great for your audience, but it's not great for me. I've turned down every comedy show because I know how it works. You say things in a sarcastic, funny way, and it makes your side go, oh, yeah, you got him. <laughs> and it makes my side hate you and your audience. Uh-huh. And so... It, it, we, we, we don't, nobody wins. Nobody wins. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be two winners. It's called reconciliation. We both have to walk away feeling good about it. That's the first step. And to be able to say to Samantha, I couldn't say to Samantha today or maybe even a month from now, although she will probably hear this, so I might as well just look in the camera and say, Samantha, this is what I want to talk to you about. And that is... George Lang, my communist friend, who's a deep, deep friend, um, who is a very big liberal, and I love him. He's the photographer, and everybody in this audience loves George Lang. He is so embraced by this audience because he's open and he's loving. He doesn't hate. He loves this audience and um, because he's gotten to know this audience. He has said to me for years, Glenn, my side is not hearing what you're saying because the language you're using and the way you're saying it, it's not connecting. And I'm like, well, you have to get over it, George. You have to get over it. Okay, well, I've said that now for eight years to him and it's not working. So maybe we do have to change our language. And now I have the opportunity, a unique opportunity to go and say, okay, remember how I made you feel? That didn't feel good, did it? That was awful. And it really hurt you. Right. I know you're not going to want to hear this. And you might, you might spend the next eight years saying, uh, shut up, Glenn, you're just going to have to get over it. But don't make the same mistake I made. We're not going to get over it. You're, you, you have to humble yourself. I didn't. You have to humble yourself and say, okay, wait a minute. Tell me exactly why, what is it that I'm saying that you're interpreting as this awful thing? Because I'm only doing it for, to get everybody to watch, to get everybody to be entertained. And that's what Samantha B said. Look, I'm a comedy show and I'm doing comedy. I don't know how you do it, Sam. You, <laughs> I don't know how you do it. How many times be, do we say that? Right. How many times have I said that on the air? Over I don't know here. how to do this show. I don't know how to do this show. And There's, not divide people. And not divide people, especially in when a pendulum is swinging to the we generation. The we generation as opposed to the me generation. It, it is defined as not who your friends are. but And how many times have we all said this? 
I wear my enemies as a badge of honor. That describes a we generation. I don't think I've it's, ever said that. Uh, I have. Media Matters hates me. Good. I wear that as a badge of honor. So that is stereotypical we generation. So it's going to go against all, all things that will make you successful, if you will. Um, we have to define ourselves by who we can bring to our side even if we disagree, the only way we're going to stop violence from each other, should there be really bad things that go down, is by knowing each other and going, no, 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 no. That's not what they meant. That's not what they meant. And you'll never get there if you compromise your principles. Now, I, I'm going to say one thing that's kind of controversial, but I, I would like you to consider it. Because I can't take, Glenn Beck has changed. I can't take it anymore. Yes, I have changed. I've softened my approach because for many reasons, one of them is just I'm older and wiser now. And you can't go through the last 10 years that I've gone through and not do self-examination. And I'm older and I'm wiser now. So yes, I have changed my approach, but not one principle have I changed. Not one. You don't believe me? Go back to an article on me in uh, GQ from 10 years ago, and you will see I am saying, like, it's spooky. Somebody sent it to me the other day, and they're like, uh, look at this article. You're the most consistent man in the media. And it's almost like word for word, it could be an article written about me today. And, uh, Had they come in in 2010 with an open mind and open cameras, they would have found the same guy yeah, as well. Yeah, Nightline would have found exactly the same thing had they done that in 2010. So I haven't changed on principles. If we sell out our principles, yeah, there's no hope. There's no hope. But if you stand on principles and perhaps change your approach you're never going to get the you're never going to get the media matters and i don't want the media matters the yeah. principles are wrong but you can get those people who are honestly questioning the world nightline nightline did it i hope samantha b is doing it because i'll never watch samantha b and come be comfortable with the language or the approach or amazingly or, you had a good conversation with the new york times Nobody would have expected that five years ago. And, and nobody knows what was said in that New York Times. And I would be comfortable releasing every word of that New York Times meeting with the editorial board. Every single word I would be comfortable releasing. People think I sold out my values there. They don't know. They have no idea. Just because I met with the New York Times. Yeah, no. Here's the problem. Churchill, uh, I mean, uh, Neville Chamberlain met with Hitler. Okay. He sold out his values to be able to achieve something that was unachievable. You couldn't achieve that with Hitler. You can meet with the worst person in the world as long as you hold on to the truth and your values. And sometimes you can make progress. Sometimes you can't. We have to try. We have to try. Watch, I, I really, next week maybe we'll talk, or maybe next year we'll talk about the way we behave online. 
because we have to be a peculiar people. We have to stand out in this society quickly. Quick update before we go to the break. Uh, President-elect Trump picks Goldman Sachs president and COO Gary Cohn to be National Economic Council director. And the swamp is edge of my seat for that. The swamp is almost dry. This is so appropriate. Uh, Here's the first line of the Gold Line commercial: Globalists are not going away anytime soon. Globalists are not going away anytime soon. The banking system isn't really going to change. The game in Washington isn't really going to change. India is moving towards a cashless society. Productivity in the U.S. is declining. President Trump has his hands full. I don't know what decisions he's going to make. He can make all perfect decisions, and I still believe that we are headed for economic tough tough times. Please, no matter how you vote, please spread your risk out for these troubled times. 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Call them now. The fusion of entertainment. Entertainment. And enlightenment. And enlightenment. We are the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. to the Glenn Beck Program. Yeah. Welcome to the program. Glad you're here. Thank you. Um, let me take Mike in West Virginia real quick. Go ahead. How you doing, uh, Glenn? Very good. What's what's up? Hey, uh, yesterday you were looking for somebody to uh, fill a seat on your plane to go down to Haiti to help... Mm-hmm. Give uh, Christmas hand- cheer. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring and say I'd love to go down there and help you. Oh, wait. Love wow, Mike. Just... Thank, thank you very much for yeah. that. Well, I've already filled the seat, but surprisingly, not with Jeffy or Stu. <laughs> it's weird. Glenn Beck. Mercury. America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. So glad that you are here. A lot to talk about, including the latest Trump uh, cabinet position. We go there right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck. Hello, America. Glad you're here. We have uh, your search for joy. 
coming up in just a minute. Um, this is the season of joy and um, what I am searching for, and I think what everybody is searching for, no matter what faith you are, no matter what walk of life you're from, everybody, I think, is looking for joy in their life, and they think they can fill it with all kinds of things. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a second. Speaking of filling things, uh, President-elect Trump is looking at his cabinet and filling his, uh, his cabinet, checking his list, uh, making his list and checking it twice. Next week, he's supposed to make the Secretary of State decision, right? Correct, yes. That's what we expect, at least, uh, yeah. next week. Yep. How much of this do you think is Donald Trump being a showman? The suspense. Uh, Have you ever seen 100%? the... 100% percent yeah. of it, yeah. I mean, I've never I seen the, the 24-hour stakeout of the elevators. I actually don't mind this either. I don't either. Uh, I think I it's, either. it's kind of a... You know, you kind of like the, the rollout of it, so it's not... Everyone can kind of, like, take a breath and look at each person as they come out. I actually don't mind the way he's releasing these. Um, and so he's going to release... I actually kind of like it. Yeah, it's like you, you get a little bit of time to, like, examine each one. It's not like a big batch of, you know, 12 people at the same time. He's then, rolling them out slowly, and it's saving the drama to the end. I mean, right, yeah, that's yeah, what you would yeah. expect from a yes. guy from a reality show, right? Like, that's his, his background right. is in entertainment. And I think, I don't think he's seriously sitting around thinking, well, there's still 12 people and I'm not sure which one to pick. I'm sure he has it down to the last couple. And, yeah. he, you know, maybe he still hasn't made a final decision, but I'm sure he has a right. good idea. It's really exciting. These, the, the next four seasons of the United States of America should be <laughs> exciting. Really, really exciting. Um, because... He knows how to draw out the suspense. I, I honestly, I thought he was going to pick his vice president like the apprentice, just have the VP apprentice. I was ready for that. He's kind of doing that now with his cabinet. He's letting, he's showing everybody who's there, and then he's letting everybody talk about it. You know, they yeah. used to trial balloons. Oh, he's got a trial. He was just throwing that one out there to see what. Now it's everybody who walks through his elevator. <laughs> you know, you can't even walk down the street. I, I would not want to live in Trump Tower. No. No way. Oh, my gosh. I mean, can you imagine that? Oh, I have to get to the cat lady story today. Yeah, you do. You have to get to the cat lady story. The cat lady right. is that, that woman, um, I can't remember her name now, but she's the woman who had all that plastic surgery to make yeah. herself look like a cat. Because her husband liked cats? Yes, and he wasn't paying attention to her, and uh, so she thought, if I look more cat-like... Uh, maybe he'll pay attention to me, and she made herself look like a cat. Even didn't, did, didn't really work. Um, no, and she's she didn't a little horrifying attention. right now. She, she, well, she looks like a cat, yeah, like an she, old cat. Yeah, like a 70-year-old cat. <laughs> and cats don't last to 70, right. so you can imagine uh, the beauty. The yeah. uh, so she, is, uh, she lives in Trump Tower, and uh, the police were called to Trump Tower. Imagine uh, because of a domestic dispute, and she is, uh, her boyfriend is some fashion designer, uh, and, um, you know, they just love each other. Uh, you know, she has $2 billion, and he doesn't, but he just loves her and thinks she's beautiful. Mm. And um, she apparently is, in her old age, now, I guess this is his story, she's starting to lose touch with reality and her anger, and um, she said that uh, he wasn't um, paying attention to her. And he was like, I think on the, you know, on his Facebook page or something like that. And she was talking. And so she, 
she took his laptop from him or something and started to you know hit him with it and then he Oh, that's what cats do. Right. And then she and then she took out her claws and she it, the pictures of his face did she really uh, claw? She clawed him. Ooh. Uh and he hid in a closet um and held the closet door closed and called police with his cell phone and they came and hauled her away and she went to jail and they're not sure he may not press charges because uh, she has two billion. Uh, because he loves her, <laughs> and um, and he uh-huh. thinks that you know uh-huh. he's not sure if he's going to press charges. So okay, that's nice. It's a beautiful story. It is a beautiful story. Beautiful story. So anyway, Donald Trump just appointed as Commerce Secretary. No, uh, this is National Economic Council Director. Yeah, National Eco- Economic Council Director. Um, yep, it's uh, Gary Cohn. He's the president and COO of Goldman Sachs. Oh, my gosh, the He's most what, evil sorry, company on the face of the planet? President and COO of Goldman Sachs. So he didn't just work there. Right, like Steve Bannon, for example, who worked yeah. there. Right, um, right. He was just a, you know, a, a, a normal worker bee over at Goldman Sachs. Uh, right. This guy was the president and COO, of course, and it's also different than um, uh, um, Mnuchin, uh, Mnuchin. Right, that's how you pronounce it. Um, the guy who uh, is now Secretary of Treasury, and he also um, which was also he was the uh, executive also at Goldman Sachs. Now, Goldman Sachs. In the end, Goldman Sachs always wins, and it, <laughs> they're the ones that win. Yeah. But really, yeah, I mean, Goldman Sachs is where you find a lot of financial wizards. Right? I have no problem. You, so you would think if you if you're talking economics, I have you a, go to the place where they've got some experts. Right. I don't have a problem with it. However, uh, my criticism. Wait, 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 Trump wait. people had a problem with it during. No, the they campaign. did not. No, they did not. Mm. Okay, yes, didn't they didn't have a problem with they it. They surrounded Heidi Cruz on the convention and Ted. floor. And, do, do you remember the the encounter with poor Ted? Uh, oh, I was there. Jack it out. We know your wife works there. At- People where's, who your buy go- where's your Goldman Sachs jacket at? We know your wife works there. Actually, <laughs> where's, your buy go- where's your Goldman Sachs jacket at? We know your wife works there. Actually, I mean, over this, and over and over. This guy who is, I mean, you know, is such a douche to Ted Cruz throughout this entire thing, yelling, are you Canadian? Like, he's that guy, right? At this entire exchange, it became kind of famous during the campaign because Cruz handled it very well. He yeah. sat there and and was very calm with the guy and tried to be reasons, reasoned despite the fact that he kept yelling dumb things like this. And there is, I have to admit, something incredibly charming about the fact that what, what are people like this guy thinking today? He's out there yes. uh, busting his butt for Donald Trump to, to stand in the face of a presidential candidate who's trying to talk to him honestly and yell back at him, where's your Goldman Sachs jacket at? I know your wife works there. And then Trump, as soon as he gets the power with his votes, goes and names like 97 Goldman Sachs people to hugely important positions. It's, it's, there's something, there's something charming. I can there's guarantee a, a you, I can guarantee you mm. that guy today mm-hmm. is saying, well, it's not all of Goldman Sachs people. It's just the wrong Goldman Sachs people. And Trump is As keeping his enemies close, and he knows which people to pick. It's, 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 it's fine. I mean, that, I can guarantee you that is of course happening. Now, of course. it is because you have to be reasonable. You have to now say, well, it's not Goldman Sachs. It's the wrong people from Goldman Sachs, which 
It always is that way. Of course, I have no. Pro- I mean, I have no problem with them naming people from Goldman Sachs. They're, that's what they want to know. They who work, they work there because they're good at what they do. Yes. Right. Uh, but when you have, I mean, you know, if, if you're an architect, which I believe one of the people that he appointed, I think it's the Treasury Secretary, was one of the architects of the CDO thing. But if you're an architect of, you know, the scams that are going on, then I got a problem. Mm-hmm. I have a real problem with you. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a banker at Goldman Sachs, you know, do I like, I don't know, Citibank? No. I have a problem with some of the executives at Citibank. I don't have a problem with the person who's working in the home loan department in the, my local Citibank. And, you know, Heidi Cruz was not running uh, Goldman Sachs. You know, right. she was she, she wasn't the CEO. No, she was not COO. She was not yeah. president. She was not a highly placed executive. She did work there, though. She worked there. Where's um, where's where's Donald Trump's Goldman Sachs jacket? <laughs> I, I, exactly. Right. I mean, if if anything mattered, that would be a real thing. But again, like it's funny because Trump's appointments, some of them I've really disagreed with, honestly. However, some are most good. of the things he's let down his voters, I think, almost completely with these picks, usually, though, towards the direction that I like. So I'm not really complaining all that much. I mean, if you were a guy who came out and wanted no Goldman Sachs people, you got tons of them. If you wanted people who wanted someone who was going to protect American jobs and, and, and avoid you know, a nationalist perspective on, uh, on labor, you got a guy who came out and he was the CEO of Hardee's and Carl's Jr., which, by the way, of course, an excellent restaurant, uh, two of them. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, and you got a guy who said, we should automate all these jobs because the, you know, those American work, those workers won't sue you when they're automated and they're robots. Uh, they're not going to, you don't have to worry about them. They show up every day. They're always pleasant. They always upsell. They do everything I ask them to do. It's exactly what the CEO of carrier said he was going to do with the money, um, that, uh, Trump and Pence negotiated to give him. Mm-hmm. Carrier said that we're going to automate, automate because we know these guys will, we know the robots will show up. And they'll like their job and they won't be a problem. I mean, this guy ran on drain the swamp and then uh, appointed Mitch McConnell's wife to a vital role. These are not like Elaine Chow is actually is much better than Mitch McConnell in in every way. Uh, But again, wouldn't that be disappointing to you if you actually cared? I think the majority of people that voted for Donald Trump um, trust him because he's the apprentice trust him to do the right thing and surround himself with the right people. Mm-hmm. And they're not the ideologues of the alt-right that the media wants to paint them. Um, they're, they're, they're not the ideologue that Donald Trump was trying to say he was. Remember, they didn't take him literally. So I don't think the vast majority of it's Trump different. supporters feel this way. I, oh, think, I think Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think, the, I think that small subsection... Do feel that way. However, I will and, say, and it's small. You're, you're referencing the Selena Zito. If you take that, don't take Trump literally. His opponents took him literally, not seriously. His supporters took him seriously, not literally. There's a difference between taking him seriously and him doing the exact opposite thing he was promising. Mm-hmm. Now we like when you say, I, "Oh, I took him literally." Well, when he said I was going to build a 50 foot wall, maybe they took it as, "Well, he's going to be tough on the border." 
Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's you know, you know, maybe he's not going to build a 50 foot wall, but he's going to be tough on the border. I understand that. This is I'm going to not I, I, Goldman Sachs is the enemy. You shouldn't vote for Ted Cruz because of Goldman Sachs. By the way, all these people from Goldman Sachs are my appointees. But I'm going to protect workers because we have to keep all these jobs here and all these companies that are automating jobs and sending them overseas. They're awful. By the way, the guy I'm putting for a labor secretary is the guy who is going to automate the jobs. I want to drain the swamp. We got to drain the swamp. By the way, the person I'm putting in is Mitch McConnell's wife. These are not like, oh, slight differences. We mistakenly took him uh, literally on something. This is him doing the exact opposite thing he promised in the campaign. By the way, all of those differences are differences I think are good differences. And I'm glad he's let the people down. Most of them, at least. I could certainly say with with the Hardys guy. Yeah, I'm happy with the I don't have any necessarily problems with the individuals of from Goldman Sachs, with the exception of Bannon, who I, I'm, I'm not a fan of. And Elaine Chao is it was actually pretty good in the Bush administration. But I mean, so I'm not it's 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 not right to say, oh, well, she's Mitch McConnell's wife, therefore. Uh, and she was in the Bush administration. Therefore, you know, she's bad. She actually did, I think, a pretty good job. But she's absolutely a thousand percent establishment. Right. She is. The swamp that he said he was going to drain. And, you know, when you come out and you make those promises and you get the exact opposite before he's moved into the house, it's a little disconcerting, I would think, for some of his supporters. No, because. Yeah, but Trump. Real quick. Real quick. Real quick. I got to go to Roy, who's got a very important question on line three. Roy, uh, quickly, what's your your question? Line three, please. Uh, there it is. Roy, go ahead. What's your question? Hey, hey um, Glenn, just a quick question about the cat lady they arrested. Did yeah. they actually take her to jail or the Humane Society? <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure, so I'll look into that. Thank you very much, Roy. Our sponsor right. this half hour, Simply Safe. Simply Safe changed the home security industry. They took an antiquated, expensive industry and turned it upside down. And they created a system that is wireless with no long-term contracts. Monitoring is $15 a month. And right now, for a limited time, you get $200 off Simply Safe's Defender package. Now, this is what this has. It has 17 security sensors for your windows and your doors. It has a panic button. It has a blaring siren to scare off anybody who opens a door or window when you don't want them to. It has a wireless connection to the police that will dispatch the police the minute something happens. And the monthly monitoring is $15 a month. And there's no long-term contract. Now, if you act right now, you can get $200 off this package, which makes this package to secure your home $3.99. That is, I mean, that is just, that's an unheard of amount to be able to defend your home. Go find out about it right now at simplysafebeck.com. The offer ends soon. Simplysafebeck.com. $200 off your Defender Security Package. Simplysafebeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Gloria, 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 the Book of Joy. 
we go there, lasting happiness in a changing world. We talk about that coming up in uh, just a second. Let me go to uh, Mark in West Virginia. Hello, Mark. You're on the Glenbeck program. Good morning. Um, How are you? I just was wanting to call to thank you for the immortal Nicholas story. I have uh, five grandkids, and I've struggled a little bit with teaching the true meaning of Christmas, and this book has helped me immensely. I've been able to bring Jesus into the magic of Christmas from the eyes of my grandkids, and, and it's just been a true blessing. So thank that you so much. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. Second call like that today. Thank you so much. Um, uh, how old are your grandkids? Did you read eight? it to them? Yes. Well, I've yeah. read the old, to the oldest one. She's eight. And what's neat is we read the book, and when we got done, she goes, I want to read it again. So we're oh going gosh, through it a second great. time. So, that is so great. I just wanted to thank you. It's, it's, it's a great story, and, and I've been searching for that mechanism for a good while, and, and it too. just worked perfect. Me too. Thank you very much, Mark. If anybody's thank struggling, you God bless. thank you, of, of having to bridge the gap between Santa and Christ and trying to make Santa a beacon for Christ, The Immortal Nicholas. I published it last year, and it's a, it's a great book. I just love this story. Um, Keith in New York. Hello, Keith. You're on the Glenbeck program. Hi, Glenn. How are you doing? Very good. Um, I just wanted to say I, I, I've been watching you for about a little less than a year now. I'm a pretty big fan, and um, I just finished reading Liar, and I just want to say thank you for writing it because it's really blessed me in a profound way. And I think people on the left and the right really both need to read this book. Um, I did have a question, though. Um, I wanted to ask what kind of advice you would give to a conservative who is looking to get into public office and really make a difference in, in a positive way. Mm. Don't. <laughs> uh, I, you know, the first thing you have to do, Keith, is uh, know yourself. Um, you know, I had a billionaire said to me, say to me one time, he said, Glenn, how much, how much is enough? And I said, I don't know. And he said, before you really get farther in your journey, you better decide. He said, because everybody that I've ever known he said they can never answer that question and they end up destroying themselves because uh, they've never sat, uh, uh, they've never said, this is where I don't need anymore. And um, I found that really good advice. And I think in the same way, Keith, you have to say, um, uh, what is enough? What is, what is the goal? Uh, and and um and 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 how far are you willing to bend to be able to make that goal happen hopefully not very far but politics will make you bend and um and if if you can set those and write them and are you married no i'm not married okay first thing you need to do is go find yourself the strongest woman you could possibly find Go find yourself a mental and, more importantly, spiritual giant. Um, most importantly, spiritual giant. Um, if, if you can find a spiritual giant to stand by your side and you really define who you are, what your limits are, what you want to accomplish, um, and then keep it in front of you the whole time, y- you might be able to make it. But... Start with finding yourself the most amazing, 
spouse, somebody that makes you want to be better and somebody that you want to be more like, that will help you. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. you to somebody Douglas Abrams he is um, he's an author and editor he is he works with people um, who are, um, are are trying to create a wiser and and better world um, and he has um, was allowed to spend time with two men who are both in their 80s and have a very interesting perspective. If I said to you, losing what was most valuable to me, losing my country was the best thing that ever happened to me, you would say, excuse me? How could you find joy in that? You know the best thing that could ever happen to you? Going to prison. I'm sorry, what? Two people with extraordinary, extraordinary vision um, uh, when it comes to finding inner peace and, and joy. Um, I had the opportunity to meet one of them, and it was, uh, it was a, 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 a surreal experience. One of the men that he was allowed to spend time with was the Dalai Lama, and the other is Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and the book is The Book of Joy, Lasting Happiness in a Changing World. Doug Abrams, welcome to the program, Doug. How are you? Great to be here, Glenn. Thanks so much. So, Doug, um, let's start with losing my country is perhaps the thing that set me free. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, extraordinary moment. We had a week together in Dharamsala, India, with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Who Which, by the, the way, if anybody doesn't know, that's like way in the... It's like a, what is it, a 15-hour drive to the closest airport. It's like way out of the way, is it not? It's, it's in, the, in the foothills of the Himalayas uh, in the northern India. Obviously, as uh, many of your listeners know, the Dalai Lama... Uh, had to flee Tibet because the Chinese invaded, and um, this is his home in exile, where we were. We had the privilege of spending this week, and uh, these two men, uh, in addition to being global icons and moral leaders for the world, are actually really dear friends and love each other and tease each other. And it, it's kind of extraordinary to see these two men who are so revered kind of laughing with each other and, and teasing each other. And so at one point, 
you know, Archbishop Tutu, you know, we were talking about what allows us to have joy in our lives, even in the face of adversity, in the face of a world filled with suffering. And Archbishop Tutu turned to the Dalai Lama and he said, why are you not morose? You know, you've been run out of your country. And, you know, the Dalai Lama didn't know what the word morose was. So he turns to his translator and Archbishop Tutu says, sad. Why are you not sad? You've, everything that you love has been taken away from you. And the Dalai Lama turned to him and he said, you know, I tried to step back and take a wider perspective and see that, yes, all of this suffering has happened. But if I had stayed in Tibet, I would never have been able to have the life that I had. I would never have been able to meet all the people that I've met. I never would have met you. Um, And he was able to shift his perspective and see that even in the face of great suffering that he and his people have experienced, he has had a much richer life than he would have had in what he called his gilded cage, uh, being the holy Dalai Lama, as he said, in Tibet. Um, and then they started cackling and giggling about how, you know, they, you know, he probably wouldn't have won the Nobel Peace Prize. And here these two guys who've won the Nobel Peace Prize are, are joking about these supposedly amazing awards that they've gotten as if, you know, they were, you know, kind of peripheral and funny. Um, but this was the, the whole week together was filled with these kind of counterintuitive insights about how deeply connected joy and sorrow are and um, how, in fact, it's through the adversity that we discover our joy and our fulfillment. So, so Doug, I... This is something that my father taught me. Um, I was whining about my life. I'm a recovering alcoholic, and this is 20-some years ago, and I was whining about my life. And, mm-hmm. and my dad, who is a, a baker, um, uh, was listening to me whine to him on the phone, and he said, you know, son, I got, I've got to pull some bread out of the oven. Can I, can I, you call me tonight. Make a list of all of these things, because, boy, you have suffered so much. <laughs> why don't you, why don't you uh, call me back tonight? I called him back within 10 minutes because the first thing that was on my list was my mother's death. And then I don't remember what was on my list. I got to three or four and I was like, now, wait a minute, hang on just a second. Well, if, if that wouldn't have happened, then this wouldn't have happened. And then I went back up to the list. I got all the way to my mother, you know, when I, when I was a teenager dying. And I thought, well, that, that wasn't that. I mean, yes, that was tragic, but that would, that caused all these other things that have put me in a position to X, Y, Z. I called my father back and he picked up the phone and I said, you don't have any bread in the oven at all, do you? And he just laughed and he said, wow, you're faster than I thought. Um, uh, But we are now living in a society that is trying to take away, is trying to say life is painless. If you fail in business, don't worry, we'll bail you out. If, you know, um, let's have uh, safe zones, et cetera, et cetera. We do have to try to be better to each other. We do try to have to help one another, but there is something huge. Don't take away my right to, well, to, to, to fail or to learn from suffering. Well, this is a really good point because, I mean, you even see it with, you know, playgrounds were taking away swings because, you know, kids could get hurt. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that they remind us is that it is actually the 
the adversity that we face, the suffering we go through. And, you know, speaking as a parent of three kids, you yeah. know, we want to save our children from suffering. Yes, we want we to, pro- you know, keep them safe. We want to protect them. But it's actually that suffering, that hardship that they go through that helps burnish their character and make them the people that they are. You know, when we kind of, you know, put, rub, you know wrap them in bubble wrap and protect them from life, um, thinking that we're doing the best thing, we're actually robbing them of their capacity not only to grow and to learn, but I think what they would say is to appreciate life in such a way that allows it to, to be richer and more joyful. There are story, uh, story after story, and it depends on how you tell the story. For instance, Schindler's List, powerful, never cried more than in Schindler's List, until I saw life is beautiful. Same story. Mm-hmm. One concentrates on the horror, and the other concentrates on how these people lived in such a beautiful world uh, inside of that horror because of the way they chose to live almost impossible to see yourself getting there. What is the secret of getting there? Well, you you mentioned uh, Schindler's List. I I also have the privilege of working with this extraordinary woman um, named Edith Eva Eager, who uh, is 90 years old and is an Auschwitz survivor. And she's an incredible psychologist, and she was working with the military. She worked a lot with the military on PTSD. And she went in... Uh, to work with these two soldiers back to back, and both of them had lost their legs in combat. And the first one was kind of was you know knotted up on the bed in you know cursing God and country, and you know just revile you know just furious about what had happened, and understandably so. The next guy that she goes in to see uh, is in his wheelchair. He says to her, you know, I feel like I've been given a new lease on life. I'm able to look my children in the eye. I'm still here with them. I never noticed, you know, how beautiful the flowers in the garden are. I mean, you know, it's this focus on perspective. Now, look, you know, this is not to tell people that, you know, suffering is easy and or to be Pollyannish or to just say, you know, we just have to look at the glasses half full. Or but, to even say, even say, flog yourself because you'll be right. better. No, no, no I don't not, think not we're, we're saying that at all. But <laughs> right. we're saying that, you know, they're, so the, the Book of Joy, one of the things that they talk about are these eight pillars of joy in the Book of Joy, that they feel, you know, they say, you know, you can't run after happiness, as Archbishop Tutu says, that's the fastest way to miss the bus, if you're just kind of running after it for your, and trying to pursue it. But if you cultivate these eight pillars of joy, one of which is perspective, you're much more likely to experience more joy in your life. What are the eight pillars? So there are four pillars of the mind and four pillars of the heart. The four pillars of the mind are perspective, humility, humor, which is crucial for them and for life, being able to laugh at ourselves and at life, and acceptance. Those are the four pillars of the mind. The four pillars of the heart are forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, and generosity. Um, And, you know, in the Book of Joy, you know, they... They, it's kind of three different parts. Um, we, the first part of our dialogue was to understand the nature of joy, because you know, there really are only four fundamental human emotions. There's fear, anger, sadness, and joy, according to the scientists, which they wanted us to bring in. So really, when we're talking about joy, we're talking about 
everything that we hang a satisfying and meaningful life on, and in fact, how we deal with the other three profound human emotions of fear, anger, and sadness. And then we actually, in part two, we looked at the obstacles to joy together and looked at things like fear, sadness, anger, illness, fear of death, all the things that uh, kind of rob us of our joy, and then we explored the eight pillars together. And it was incredible. I mean, you know, the dialogue was amazing, but, you know, what we tried to do is actually bring readers on that journey, because it was an incredible week together, not just filled with so much laughter and tears and incredible stories that they were sharing, but we also got to, the, the Dalai Lama taught us to meditate, Archbishop Tutu gave the Dalai Lama communion. Uh, the Dalai Lama danced for the first time in his life um, because you know, Archbishop Tutu in his irrepressible African boogie got him up to dance. Um, it was just, it was pretty magical. I will tell you, I spent, I was lucky enough to spend about eight hours with um, Billy Graham about five years ago. And um, everything that you're talking about, um, I saw from him. And it's, there's something to a man who has tried to pursue a spiritual, decent, God-fearing life his whole life, um, and, and then is in his 80s. Um, they, they just have a different look to them. You just look them in the eye, and they, they are full of joy. They don't have fear because they... They just know. They just know what they know. Um, and the acceptance and love of people who are vastly different than them is, is humbling, very humbling. It's really, it's so true. I, when I was at HarperCollins, we worked with, with Billy Graham. And um, I just, I do think you see it in all of these great spiritual uh, teachers. Um, but I think one of the things that's so extraordinary was that they shared their humanity with us in a way yeah. that was not saying, okay, we're these vaunted, um, you know, special spiritual guys. They were, we are yeah, these human yeah. beings who are on the path with you. And as yeah. Archbishop Tutu said, we are all masterpieces in the making. You know, yeah. we are all on this path, and sometimes we fall, and sometimes we, you know, have bad days, and sometimes we lose our tempers at our, our wife, as I did last night. You know, we all, you know, we all go there, um, but we're all on this, uh, you know, we're all on this path of trying to be the best people that we can be and to grow and learn in our lives. Um, and they, you know, what we wanted to try to do, as you said, you know, for these two men who are in their 80s, to try to bottle what is it about these two people who are two of the most joyous people on the planet who have experienced such incredible adversity and suffering in their lives and still are able to hold on to that, that quality of joy. Doug Abrams, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again tonight. And in the season of joy, I wish you lots of joy. Uh, the, you too, Glenn. Thank, thank you so you. much. You bet. The name of the book is The Book of Joy, Lasting Happiness in a Changing World. Um, everything that he just said about the eight pillars is, um, is exactly what I saw in Billy Graham. Exactly what I saw in Billy Graham. And it was humility and his humanness as well. His, his taking me by the hand and saying with tears in his eyes, I failed so many times in my life. I failed. 
but I tried my hardest, um, was, oh my gosh, you are, you're, you're just like me. And that is, there's something special about seeing that from uh, somebody the size of these giants. Know somebody who's looking for joy, the book of joy, the book of joy. Um, our sponsor this half hour is Goldline. Third quarter, the productivity in the U.S. saw a second consecutive quarterly decline. The first two-quarter decline in the U.S. production uh, since 1993. The media wants to believe the economy is fine because the president is still uh, Barack Obama. I'm telling you right now, the minute January 20th happens, you're going to start seeing all of these things. You'll see all the stats that they didn't pay attention to. And they're going to start talking the economy down and... You better be prepared. Please call Goldline and find out if gold or silver is right for you. Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. program well here we go on a beautiful weekend to go out and go shopping and um, you know there's there's one thing that you can do talking about joy there's one thing you can do and that is you can go find somebody that maybe is in your neighborhood that mm-hmm. Um, doesn't, you know, doesn't get off. Maybe there's an old person in your neighborhood that doesn't get out very often. Somebody who is handicapped or whatever that just, you know, is not able to get out and go shopping and, um, go find them, go search for them, bring your family, bring your kids with them and make it a great, um, weekend shopping with them. They, they will feel good. Your kids will learn a lesson, and you're going to get the greatest parking space ever. <laughs> this is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 